How do we get traffic out here on Ray Road to stop going 55 miles an hour and cause you to miss our turn or just... I, I got an idea. Let's park a police car right on the corner. It doesn't even need a police officer inside. You put a police car on this corner and traffic will slow to 45 miles an hour as posted and probably even just a little bit under that just to be safe, right? How does an employer get their employees to meet their sales goals or to work a little harder or to care a little more? Bonuses, right? Incentives, raises. How do parents usually end up trying to get their kids to do what they tell them to do? Well, you threaten to take something away, right? Or you say, I'll give you this if you do this, right? This is the way our world works, isn't it? It works this way because normally it does work. This the threat of punishment, right? A speeding ticket, a pink slip, being grounded. Right? It gets people to do the things you want them to do. Or you might use a reward, right? Employee of the month, or ice cream, or I don't know, what do police officers give you when you obey the law? They, you don't get a ticket, right? Uh, you use reward to get people to do what you want them to do. This is the way our world works. This makes sense to us, right? But this isn't the way God operates. And so it's not the way God's people operate either. You see, the way the world works is be rewarded and you're not going to get in trouble, right? And do this and you won't get in trouble. Be, do this and you'll get rewarded, right? We, we get that. We understand that. And, and that's just the way the world is. And if you, if, you, if you wonder why, that's really the big question, right? Why should I do the right thing? Why should I be kind to other people? Why should I do what's good and right? Then you're really getting to the heart of the matter. Because you'll find that you don't have to necessarily show everybody what's good and right, right? I mean, we can go into the Bible and, and we can just unpack all these things that God tells us to do and how to live a Christian life and, and how to be good and kind and compassionate, but we know those things, right? right? Even people who don't know the Bible, even people who are of other religions, they know it's good and right to care for your family. They know it's good and right to, to love your spouse. They know it's good and right to, to have compassion on the poor and the needy. Right? The, to forgive people who hurt you. Right? The Bible has a lot to say about that, but, but you know those things already, don't you? But it's the why. Why should we do those things? What's the motivation? And that's where the Bible's different than the way the world works or what the way the rest of the world conducts itself. Because an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God, will tell you, well, you, you, you be good and you be kind to your fellow man because then that comes back to you. Right? You, you reap what you sow. Right? You do good and good should come back. If you do evil and bad things, that's going to come back to you. Or take every other religion besides Christianity. And what do they say? 
You are to be good and kind and caring and compassionate to other people around you so that God will show favor to you. So that you can earn his love. So that maybe, maybe you can earn your way into some sort of afterlife with him. You see, this is the natural way of thinking. It, it makes sense to us, doesn't it? Because often it works in our life. But, but the Bible preaches a completely different message. That we aren't kind and compassionate and caring and forgiving and loving just because it's the right thing to do. Or so that God will love us and care for us and maybe let us into heaven someday. No, we don't love so that maybe God will love us. We get to love because God has already loved us from eternity. He loved us first. We don't forgive because then God will forgive me. No, we forgive because God has so graciously already forgiven me every one of my sins in Christ. We don't show compassion to the poor and needy so that maybe God will show compassion to me, but, but because he's already shown us such great compassion in sending a Savior to rescue us from slavery and sin and death. We don't do good works so that God might let us into heaven someday. We desire to do good works because heaven is already ours right now through Christ. The Bible preaches a completely different message than the world does around us. It preaches grace. It preaches love that's undeserved. And that's what we're talking about in this sermon series, God's amazing grace to us. And last week we focused on how we grow in that grace, right? How, how God desires that we grow up in our salvation, that we mature in our faith. And how he gives us his means of grace, the gospel and word and sacraments, in order to do that, to grow in that grace. But then, it doesn't just stay there, right? It's not like you have these two different parts of your life where I've got my God time and then the me time, right? Or, or you've got Sunday morning where I do the church stuff and then the rest of the week is just disconnected from all that. No, it's all connected. And so as I'm growing in grace, as I'm growing in my faith that is going to overflow into my life. And so today we focus on our life in grace. How we live in that grace of God. How we show that grace of God to each other. And that's what our section from 1 Peter this morning is all about. Where we get to see that love leads us to serve and this service leads to praise. And this isn't some programmed three-step process here. This isn't, this isn't something that can be demanded from somebody. This is just what naturally flows out of a heart that's changed by the gospel. Out of a heart that's been transformed by that message that we have a Savior who loved us so much that he left heaven and took on flesh and lived under the law perfectly in our place. That God himself died on a cross to remove my sins from me forever. That, that then he rose again to defeat sin and death and the devil. For me, that message of the gospel, where God has first shown his love to me, 
where he first served me as he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for me. And all so that that love and that service, so that praise might be a result for God. This is something that's already been done for you, friends. By God's grace, he has loved you and served you and given praise to the Heavenly Father. Jesus has done this for you. And that message of the gospel has to transform us to see that we are called into his love to love. We have been served so that we can go and serve. And that the result of that is not our praise, but God's praise for all that he has done for us in Christ Jesus. Friends, do you see how this is not just a different way to look at life? But it's a completely freeing way to look at life, too. That it frees you from things you have to do. It, it frees you from the guilt of, I suppose I better do this or else. It frees you from being self-focused to becoming others-focused. And so Peter talks to us about this this morning in his first letter. But this sermon series, we've been looking at different sections of 1 Peter. And so today we're going to look at that second lesson from 1 Peter chapter 4. We begin at verse 8. It's printed out as the second lesson if you want to follow along. I'm just going to start with the first sentence. Again, listen how, uh, as we go through here, how love leads to serve, service and service leads to praise. He starts out the first sentence. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. He says, more than anything else, love each other. <laughs> and this love is to be a deep love. Love each other deeply. Well, what does that mean? It's kind of nebulous sounding, right? Well, if you go back to the original, again, it's really hard to, to get from the Greek into the English. What does that mean? And that, that, that's a real rich term there. So the loving deeply means to love each other eagerly. That is something that I don't have to do, but it's something I get to do. That I get to love my fellow man. That I get to love my fellow Christians. That I get to love everybody because God has first loved me. And that idea of loving each other deeply also means that we love each other earnestly and, and, and continually. That it's not just, you know, for a little while. Or it's not just until I kind of get sick of you. But, it, but it's a love that continues. It's a, it's a deep love. It's, it's not this shallow love. It's taking the words of Jesus seriously in our gospel lesson where he said, love as I have loved you. The love that God has first shown to us, that perfect, never failing, no strings attached love that he has poured out on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Peter writes, love each other the same way. Love each other deeply. Because love, he says, covers over a multitude of sins. And what does that mean? Covering over a multitude of sins. I think there's two ways to understand that. And it's by asking the question, well, whose sins is he talking about? What's, whose multitude of sins is this? Well, when you forgive someone who sins against you over and over and over, right? And you forgive them. You offer them that forgiveness of Christ. You're showing love, aren't you? Love covers over a multitude of sins that someone else might commit against you. But what if you think about it the other way? Love covers over a multitude of my sins that I could commit. Because if you're loving each other deeply, you're not thinking about yourself, are you? If you're loving each other deeply, you're not thinking, what's in this for me? 
Or who's going to notice? Or what are the kickbacks here? When we love each other deeply, we cover over a multitude of sins that we would commit in thought and word and deed. Love each other deeply covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other as God has first loved you. And that love, Peter writes, leads to service. He goes on and he says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. Do you catch what Peter says here? That these gifts that God gives are just that. They're gifts. Gifts that you have received. Gifts that are given to you to use. And you notice who they are to be used for. They're not just for you. Gifts that you receive from God to use to serve and bless others. And that has to completely change how you look at everything, doesn't it? How you look at your life. How you look at your abilities, how you look at your, your time and your resources, how it, everything in your life. That these things are not given to me to keep and just use for myself, but to use for the good of others. So if God has blessed you with mechanical abilities, those gifts are not just for you, but they are to bless the people around you. If God has blessed you with the, the gift of leadership, that that gift is not just about you getting ahead and, and worrying about yourself, but it's given for the, the blessing of those you lead. When God entrusts you with money, and yes, that's a gift of his too. It, it's not yours, it's his. It's a gift that he gives. He says, you're a faithful steward of these things. You're caring for things that have been entrusted to you to use them wisely and faithfully. He says, even with your money, it's been given to you as a gift to serve others, to bless others, to care for others. I think about your time, the time that you've been given. Every second is a gift that is not just for you, but he gives you that time to bless and to serve others around you. Faithful stewards of all of these gifts that God has entrusted to us. And he says that these are God's grace in various forms. Think about that for a moment. God has given you time. God has given you abilities. God has given you resources. And they're all opportunities to show God's grace to everyone around you. So when you go and you work at your job, and you earn a paycheck. And then you take that paycheck and you support your family. And you help the poor and the needy. And you support the work of the gospel through your offerings here at church. You are making God's grace visible to the world around you. As you use the abilities that God has given you. right? Uh, uh, that you, when you use your time to, to help out a neighbor or a friend 
or a coworker or a fellow church member. You are showing God's grace to those people. I, I, you think about things here, things that really you think are so small, like ushering or being a fellowship host or putting a PowerPoint together or playing an instrument. Whatever it might be, you are showing God's grace as you use your abilities and your time to serve others. Other people get to see God's grace through you in various forms. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that a humbling thing? That God wants to use our lives to make his grace known to one another. There's even a little bit more here. Did you catch what Peter says here? We're, we're faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then he, he mentions two specific ways that we administer grace to each other. He talks about speaking, and he talks about serving. Right? And so what he says, though, is when you speak, when you speak the words of God to each other, right? when, you, when, you, when you care for each other and love each other by speaking that word of God to one another, be it words of admonishment, or words of comfort and peace? Who is it speaking? You are speaking the very words of God. God is speaking through you. And then when you serve, he says, that you are serving with the strength that God provides you. What this means, friends, is that this is all God. <laughs> when we start to think about our lives in this world, right, and our response to the gospel... Right? This is where sometimes you feel like, oh, I got to go and I got to be a better Christian and I got to do more to help out people and I got to give more in offerings. And, right? No, that's not what God is saying here. He is saying, God is, he is working in you. That it's all God. That God loved you from eternity. That God poured out his love on you through Jesus Christ, his Savior, your Savior. That God has given that love to you to show to the world. That God has given you gifts and talents and abilities and resources and time to show that grace to the world. And as you do that, God himself is giving you the strength and the ability and the desire to go and do it. It's all God. Friends, do you see how different this is than the way the world works? Because it's all God. And it's all for his praise. That's how... Peter ends this section, doesn't he? He says, right, we do all these things. We desire to do these things to show love and to serve so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Right? Think about how different this is than the rest of the world. Right? The world wants to be acknowledged. The world wants the pat on the back. The world wants recognition and praise, right? For anything and everything. <laughs> but because of what God has done for us, because our hearts are filled with his love, because the abilities and the time and the talents and the resources we have are gifts from him to administer God's grace to each other, the praise isn't ours. But it's God's alone. That we don't serve in order to be recognized or to get a thank you. <laughs> We don't show love so that maybe others will love us then too. We, we do it all for the praise and glory of God who has already done everything through, for us through Jesus Christ our Savior. How different this is than the way the world works. 
but how freeing it is, isn't it? Because you don't have to worry about yourself anymore. That your concern in life is simply to use what God has given you for his glory, for his praise, and for the good and the blessing of the people he has placed around you. That God doesn't want you to give because you have to. God is certainly not pleased if you come here and serve because no one else is going to do it. God certainly doesn't desire hearts that are looking for recognition and honor for the things that we might do for others. But instead, as we've been shown that grace, that we get to go and live in that grace. That we get to make that grace known to the world around us through how we live, through how we love, through how we serve, through how we care and show the compassion and forgiveness and the love that God has first shown to us. Our God of grace, our God of grace who has made us his, our God of grace who continues to sustain us in our faith and help us grow in that faith, who continues to pour out on us blessings day after day after day. This God of grace who gives us opportunities and desire and the motivation and the skills and the abilities to go and to live in that grace here in our church, to live in that grace in your homes, to live in that grace in your workplace, to go and live in grace in our world so others might see our God through us. A God of grace who has loved us, who has served us to the, his praise so that we can go and we get to love with his love as he's first loved us. We get to go and serve as we have first been served by him and all for his praise and glory for the one who has done all things for us in Christ. May God grant that to us. Amen. And now the